0: Good morning Gator Nation welcome to another special episode of the in all kinds of weather forecast I'm your host Neil Schulman I'm joined today by contributor Casey Hampton welcome back Casey and today we've got a special guest with us Florida offensive lineman Ethan White is with us today and he is here to talk about life as a Gator offensive lineman both over the last three years and looking ahead to the new energy and all the changes that Billy Napier has brought to the Gators, he'll look ahead to Summer Ball and the fall season ahead for Gator Football. But before we get to that, as always, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged gator fan to the swamp. For those of y'all who are new listeners, the Gator Good Foundation collects donations from bands and uses them to bring someone to his or her first ever Gator football game. We pay for flights, for rental cars, for hotels, game tickets, gear, all that's necessary to make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. We have closed our applications for the season. We are down to a couple of finalists, but if you believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for 2023, please email us GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. As always donations are very much appreciated to donate to our cause, please go to our website, gatorgoodfoundation.com and click on the donate button. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or somebody known needs professional help in any of the above, three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One is it is a veteran owned business. You can't really think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business. Two, it is run by a University of Florida alum. And three, I can personally vouch for them as they just created my new logo. They also created the new Gator Collective site and they've got more Gator related stuff on the horizon. So yes, they do great work, but they do great work And they're owned by a UF alum who also happens to be a U.S. veteran who I can personally vouch for because they did amazing work for the in all kinds of weather brand, as well as the Gator Good brand. They built their website, too, and the Gator Collective site. So be sure to check out StingrayBranding.com to check out their services and rates. With that, Florida Gator offensive lineman Ethan White is with us today. Ethan has been a piece of the Gators offensive line for the past three seasons. He was a key reserve in 2019, and injury kept him out for a good piece of 2020. But then last year, he stepped into a larger role and did well. And now, though, he's looking to take an even bigger role on this offensive line in 2022. He's with us today to talk all about his experience with the Gators so far and what is to come for the Billy Napier era. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to our show.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. uh, Honored honor to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks,
2: man. Um, And before we go into questions, um, Ethan, I know I've I've seen a couple tweets from you um, and some other guys. Um, What are you doing um, in Gainesville uh, to fight hunger?
1: Uh, A couple of the guys, about 10 or 12 of us, uh, went to um, a food pantry in Gainesville and uh, just spent a couple hours, you know, learning about the process and kind of how they help people in different organizations they work with, um, as well as, you know, kind of organizing and just packing up some food and getting it in the right places for them.
2: That's really cool. You're doing some really, really good work out in the community. Was that impactful for you? And uh, if we have listeners that that are in the Gainesville area and wanna wanna join in, how did uh, how'd you get connected, or how can they get connected?
1: Um, yeah. So for me, it was impactful just uh, because up, you know, everybody has those hard times or you know you can fall on you know we need help from somebody or your community and. Uh, Bread of the Mighty—that's uh, the food bank. Kind of just provides that for local communities and does work uh, nationally as well. And um, if you if you want to get involved with them, uh, you can reach out via Facebook or their website or all their social medias. Very cool.
2: I know that's not exactly football related, but I want to give you guys no, 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 out awesome. for doing the good work in the community. Um, you know, it's awesome to see when Gator players get back. So.
0: Uh, so Casey, you actually get to do the segment that you created for the first time in a while. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've
2: been uh, been super busy, so I'm happy to be back on the pod. So Ethan, we're going to do a fun little thing, what we call the lightning round here. Um, so it's just helping our listeners get to know you a little better and helping you connect with them and letting them get to know you a little bit. So like I said, I have a big appreciation for uh, the big uglies that don't get don't get the love that they need to get. So I'm happy, happy to have one of you all on the program here. Um, so, Ethan, when did uh, when did you first fall in love with football?
1: Uh, probably when I was around 11 years old is uh, when I was kind of first introduced to football. Um, you know, uh, I knew about it, but I hadn't really played. I was kind of just, you know, I'd play with friends and
2: all, nothing organized. That's really cool. Cool, man. You know, there's usually around thursday or friday during the season there's a lot of talk and a lot of uh twitter hype about what you're going to wear that week uh as far as the uniform whether it's home or on the road so what's your favorite combo oh man uh my favorite combo
1: is probably like the powder blue helmets we have with the uh, all blue uniforms uh i think that's just really clean looking for us personally the Powder yeah. blue when do we We have powder blue No, oh, was it the matte blue
2: helmets. I'm no, that guess. was Tennessee, oh, when Tennessee when we oh, were at yeah, we yeah, sure, Rocky sure, Top. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Ethan, I got to say, I was there for that day. Man, I don't know how you guys were staying warm. That was so cold that night. <laughs> I don't know how you guys were staying warm up
1: there. I didn't – I wasn't playing that game. That was that was tough. I was I was trying to stay warm. I
2: lost. <laughs> God, I mean, I was on like a sweatshirt and a hoodie. Man, that was so cold up there. It was that weird 2020 season. Um, Wait, so, what's your favorite road December. combo? So, um, <clears throat> what
0: would you say, Neil? What's what's your favorite road combo? You want to go blue, blue, blue at home, but I mean, when you're on the road, do you still want to go blue helmet, white jersey, and blue pants?
1: Um, on the road, uh, per, I know I know this is mo- mostly just LSU, but I don't mind if we can wear like all orange or a combination of orange and white. I like the orange and white on the road.
2: I'm a bit yeah, I'm a big fan of the white on orange that they wear usually when we play Kentucky. I love I love that look. I love that yeah. look. Um so what game was your favorite atmosphere to have played at the swamp? And what was your favorite atmosphere to have played outside the swamp? Um my favorite atmosphere I didn't play, but would probably
1: have been my freshman year versus Auburn when uh touchdown. I mean that that's the
2: craziest, wildest,
1: loudest game I've ever experienced anywhere.
2: That was as, just as, as as uh Mick would say, the swamp was indeed in the sanest island that day. Yeah. <laughs> So, what's your uh, what's your favorite road environment that you played on? Um, not my favorite, uh, just for you know football reasons. But
1: probably the craziest is LSU at night. Also, my freshman year when we played uh, Joe Burrow and
2: that team—that was, that was crazy. That's crazy. And uh, you know, I have to ask, what's your least favorite stadium that you visited in the SEC or outside the SEC? Oh, Vanderbilt for sure. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's always like you know, when we talk to players, it's either Vandy or Missouri. It's 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 one or the other, but Missouri was a dump when I went up there a few years ago. But I think yeah. one
0: person said FSU. That was the that was the only third answer we've gotten. It's usually Missouri or Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think it one person yeah. said FSU.
1: I've actually
2: said FSU yet
1: because how the way the my years have just been that we were we were at home and then COVID and then it just happened. And then right. they
2: came home, yeah. So this should be your first trip up
1: to uh, the erector set in Tallahassee. Yep, I can't wait. Just go give them an L on their home
2: turf. Ah, Love it. I was there in 2018 when that happened, man. I was right next to Chauncey when he was holding the little head. It was awesome. It was great. And we denied him uh it was great. The gator section kept going no bowl. It was great. <laughs> it was wonderful. So uh I think Neil's got some questions about uh your your recruitment process.
0: Yeah, uh, before before we go too deep into the recruitment process, though let's let's start with um one more current question and that's what has been your best memory as a Gator so far? You said the craziest atmosphere was Auburn for that game, but I mean, either on or off the field, what has been your best personal moment as a student athlete of the University of Florida?
1: Um, I probably kind of have two that are tied. My first, my first college football game ever, uh, that playing against Miami versus. Uh, down in Orlando was was pretty wild. Just because, you know, you're at Florida playing Miami at neutral site, first game ever, week zero. Like, that was just a crazy experience for me being a part of a team that only game on TV. And then, uh, probably my favorite would be my first game, uh, actually getting some playing time at UF at uh, UT Martin. I think it was my freshman year, getting to run out there and know, at some point, I'm going to get get to be in the game. That's kind of just you know, the nerves build up until you finally get in.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always, I've always figured that like in a game that you know, you're going to play in versus a game you're not, you're, you know, you're not going to play in at least when you run out of the tunnel, at least for 15, 20 seconds, that all kind of goes away. And it's the same. Is that, is that true?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh For me personally, from the time we're standing out of the tunnel to The kickoff, I kind of just zone out. I'm kind of just getting in my headspace, kind of not focused on what's going on.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so recruiting is obviously the big buzz topic right now. We're talking about a big boom on the recruiting trail right now for Florida, having just gotten Jakeem Jackson, Aiden Mizell, Jordan Castell, and then Andy Jean all in the span of one weekend. And of course you were at one point a Gator recruit, you were looking around, you were doing the whole process. So it was different because Florida had a different staff, um, different time before COVID, things were a little bit different. Uh, but, but talk a little bit about your, your journey as a recruit. Um, I mean, when you first started getting noticed, how you first started getting noticed by Florida, what made you choose Florida and, and all that kind of stuff. Just take us through your recruiting process if you wouldn't mind.
1: Uh, okay, so my recruiting process uh, was a little delayed just because I started at a small school so there wasn't a whole lot of notoriety. I don't think anybody there had ever had D1 offers or anything. So uh, probably going into my junior year, I think was when I started getting some offers and a little bit of more national recognition. But um, as in regards to Florida, uh, just being from Florida, it's, it, you've always heard of the Gators, you know, you see the logo, you, you watch the games, you hear about it. So Um, just before they even offered me I had known about Florida and that had been something I want to look into and then uh, I think going into my senior year uh, Coach Robinson with uh, Coach Mullen's staff kind of just I came in one day and saw me and didn't know I went there kind of just watched my highlights I'm sure he called Coach Mullen and offered me that day and then um, after taking a visit and kind of just being around the campus seeing Hawkins Center the indoor and kind of just all UF had to offer in addition to, you know, being close to home and, you know, representing the state of Florida kind of just seemed like the right decision for me.
0: So how much of, of it seeming the right decision to you was, was you taking the initiative to say, yeah, I really like this place versus the staff reaching out to you and saying, we really want you. Was it 50, 50? Was it more one or the other? How would you sort of balance that?
1: Um, It was probably about 50, 50 because uh, one thing I'll say with coach and staff is that part of the reason I came here was how straightforward they were with me. You know, it wasn't coaches both kind of it and rainbows and all that, but they told me how it was, what would happen when I got here. So personally, just kind of experiencing that, that difference in other recruiting strategies is kind of what helped.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, straightforward does work. if. You know, you you know that they can back it up and Mullen did have a nice uh, track record of developing some strong offenses. And I'm sure that that played a part in it as well. Um, So you come to Florida, you sign things at first for the team go very well. The offensive line is, is pretty good in 2019. You get some playing time. The Gators as a team are doing very well. It didn't obviously start out so great. Uh, I mean, the, you, you won the Miami game, but then Felipe Franks goes down and there's a big mystery there. Kyle Trask comes in. That's a great story, but there's a bit of an unknown there. And then things start sort of taking off in Florida, starts winning a lot of games. They wind up getting themselves in the top 10. Georgia and LSU do beat us, but overall, by any objective measure, a very good season. Florida wins the Orange Bowl, finished ranked in the top ten again. Um, and then 2020, a different sort of story uh, for you, as you had an injury that you had to deal with. COVID made made all kinds of things weird. But you beat Georgia, you go to the SEC title game, you nearly win it, and you go to do another New Year's Six bowl. So, it, it you know the saying is, it's great to be a Florida Gator, but for Gator football players, those two years. It certainly was, because Florida was winning a lot of games. The fan base was generally very happy. Uh, so just what was it like to be in your shoes? What was it like to be Ethan White on two very good Florida Gator football teams?
1: Uh, I mean, when you're winning, everybody's happy. You know, uh, winning cures a lot of things. So um, it just – I mean, being part of winning teams, it just kind of makes quality of life outside of football better. You know, you're not worried about uh, – you know, the games or anything like that. And then obviously winning the fans are always on our side of Florida, but they're more so on our side when we're winning, obviously. Um, and it's just, it's a positive environment, you know, within the building and honestly the city and the fans, it's just kind of just uplifting and positive more winning.
0: For sure. I mean, this, this, the way you started that answer, winning cures a lot of things that that's pretty much exactly it. Um, so, I mean, you're blocking for Kyle Trask, a Heisman finalist. There's Kyle Pitts lining up a few feet away from you. There's Kadarius Toney on that offense. They didn't run the ball a ton that year, but there's Damian Pierce who has emerged as another Gator fan favorite. There are a lot of stars there um, on, on that team or those two teams. And your name is known. People know who you are. They follow recruiting. They're you know, super fans. and know all the players. But those guys are the stars, and you were – you were not uh, getting the ink. You were not getting the the press necessarily that they got. So your role was by all means vital for the Gators, but they were the ones who were in more prominent roles and getting more of the headlines. So what, what was it like for you to be important on that team, but just not getting all the media attention that those guys were getting on the same team? What was that experience like?
1: uh honestly it was cool for me because those guys like you see them work all off season and then you finally get to the season and they're getting all the hype and notoriety and you know they're getting their interviews on ESPN so for me it was cool because you go through workouts with those guys and you see the work they put in and then it finally starts to pay off for them because it's their time and honestly you're just kind of you just kind of watch it happen and experience it and be happy for them and then you know one day eventually you're when you put in your work and put in your time eventually hopefully your time comes as well for that.
2: You know, Ethan, I, <laughs> we got to talk about uh, some uncomfortable stuff, obviously, because during your time, uh, Florida has been good and Florida has slipped up a little bit. So I want to walk through 2020 was obviously a hell of a season for, for Florida, um, you know, going to a and and, you know, coming so close to, you know, beating them up there and, you know, things were things were good um that season but walk me through if you can what was going through your own mind the night we played LSU because that is for a lot of Florida fans that's where the wheels started kind of coming off the bus and I want to ask a player did you all feel that then was that you know a surprise was that dejecting you know what uh what did that feel like? You, you know, what, walk me through that night.
1: Uh, it was definitely a surprise. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, uh, I, I know for me after the game and part of it is what kind of the coaches were saying is that it in the fans eyes and obviously some of the players eyes too, it, the game kind of came down to one decision, one poor decision. But if you really look at it, I mean, we have, we missed opportunities all throughout the game and, everybody could be blamed for something at some point but yeah after that game I don't know it 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 just it it was so unexpected that everybody was just kind of kind of surprised uh kind of like stunned for for maybe a day or two afterwards and obviously our hopes were still you know beat Alabama have a shot at the playoffs but it it definitely felt just just kind of off because that that wasn't supposed to happen you know we were supposed to handle business, go to Alabama, play them, and then kind of go from there.
2: So walk me through the 2021 season, because obviously that started off, it started off at least as a fan. It was like, Hmm, okay. What's, 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 what's really going on here. Right. And, you know, we play USF in a, I don't know how you would. How would you describe that USF game? It was a. It was. A, it was a little weird. I thought. Yeah, yeah, it felt weird
1: during the game. It just. It kind of felt like we weren't in our rhythm yet.
2: Yep. Yep. And then you know we play Alabama, and one of the you know greater games I've seen the swamp. Obviously, we wanted the outcome to be different, but you know y'all played y'all played your asses off that day.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: walk me through. What happens, you know, we come home, you know, we're home the next week. We play Tennessee. Neil and I are there. Walk me through the – what happened um, the rest of that season that ultimately led to Coach Mullen uh, being dismissed. And, you know, just walk me through kind of what your emotions were and what – where the team was um, and kind of what was going on then. You know, because fans – Ethan, you know, people talk on Twitter, right? You know, you have these armchair coaches and you've got these insider heat, you know, sort of people, Right. But from your perspective, what, uh, what was going on? Um, so for me, I can really speak to
1: about the halfway point of the season because uh, then I kind of had an ankle injury and missed a few games. But I'd say up until LSU and when I got injured, everything, everything was normal. You know, we lost to Kentucky. That was a – you know, that one hurt. That's not supposed to happen at Florida. But uh, we rebounded, come back ready for the next game. And then um, it it was kind of a a sum of a bunch of different things, you know. Um, Injuries can play a part in it, having certain guys just not, you know, whether they can't play or they're not playing 100%. Um, I'm not sure really, because I don't, you know, guys, you know, it's not that you don't want to go out there and, play your all and it doesn't matter what the coaches say, you know, you're going to give it your all and all that. But I think guys near the end of the season, they just kind of were worn out uh, mentally and physically. Um, and it, the season kind of just took a, a toll on probably players and coaches alike.
0: Well, it is worth pointing out that there was enough in the tank to get that rivalry game. Uh, I
2: was going to say, you know, that how was... did it feel to end it? How did it feel to end? You know, I, and Ethan, I appreciate that answer, you know, not uh, not telling you to throw anybody under the bus or anything. It's just, you know, we don't hear it from players that often, you know, as to what it was really like for you and what the struggles were for you to go through that. Because we as fans can talk about, oh, it sucks to watch this or it sucks to this, sucks to that. But it's got to suck to be a player in the locker room. Right. You know, walking off the field and, you know, you. I don't know if you read Twitter or if you read Facebook and what people are saying. It's got to be hard. Right. So. I want to end that section on a positive note. You know, I wasn't there, but I I will tell you, this was one of the most entertaining Florida, Florida State game. I love the chippiness, you know, that there was a pregame fight, you know, people were pushing each other over the field. And of course, I mean, Damian Pierce, you know, with that wild man look when his helmet came off and he like drug those, those Florida State (laughs) defenders into the end zone, man. I mean, that... That was incredible. So, you know, I am selfish in this, Neil, so sorry. I got to ask, what was it like to be on the sidelines with that emotion and, and you know, be- beating them without a head coach when their coach is in his second or third year up there in Tallahassee? Tell us tell us what it was like that day.
0: And I'm just going to tack one quick thing onto that. On top of that, what was it like to send off to seniors like Pierce yeah. and Carter with a dub?
1: Yeah, honestly, going into the game, that's kind of that's kind of what everybody was playing for. Like, uh, we don't have a coach; we're having a bad year. They're having a bad year. We we can do two things: we can send out the seniors the right way, and we can still we can still have dominance over FSU. We can say we beat them. We can, uh, you know, have our shit talk in the rivalry. So going into that game, it was really just you know, no coach doesn't matter. Represent Florida got to beat FSU, send the seniors out right. They've been here working hard for four years. They deserve it. Uh, just kind of lay everything on the line. I had nothing, really nothing to lose at that point.
2: What did you personally do when uh, the whiff happened, when their puncher missed the ball on the tee? <laughs> I don't know
1: happened because I, I thought the wind or something might have like tipped it over. I don't, I don't know what happened.
0: That was... So you, you didn't even see what happened? Was...
1: Yeah, I wasn't. I, I just was kind
0: of, <laughs> of
2: what happened. Well, obviously- I didn't,
0: I, I didn't understand what happened either until they put it in
2: slow motion. And Ethan, I have to tell you, that was a good five to seven minutes of just belly laughter. Like, five, it just didn't like stop. It. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. So, you know, as a <laughs> as a fan, if nobody has said thank you for that dub. You know, even though if you weren't playing, you know, you need to you need to thank the team because everybody uh, everybody appreciated that. That we're,
0: we're not just going to walk past that segment and not, and not mention the fact that you said that the interval of time in which you laughed was five to seven minutes.
2: Oh, I mean, it was like five to seven straight minutes, and my uh, my stepmother went to Florida State, and she was just sitting there with her arms crossed, which just made me laugh even harder. So it was it was great. And I so, gotta say, you know, can take it, it away.
0: It, it. I mean, both teams are five and six coming into that game, but. In the stands, it felt like Florida FSU. I mean, it was my first ever Florida FSU game, but it felt like Florida FSU should be. I mean, there were, there, there were, there were mocking war chants. There were, uh, uh, fan, you know, Gator fans were doing that on their way out. There, there was another seminal head. It was a lot smaller than the one that, that Chauncey had. It was like the size of a tennis ball, but someone had one, and it was like waving it around. It was, it was great. It was just – it was great. Anyway, uh, we beat FSU. That's great. Send the seniors off right with a win in the swamp. Um, but as, and as we talked about, Mullen did get fired. The new staff was coming in. So let, let's go back to, I guess, the beginning of the, the Billy Napier era. So how did you first find out that he was your new coach, first of all? Um, how did you first meet him? And what was your first impression of him when you did meet him?
1: Uh. So honestly, this is kind of where the reading Twitter part comes into it. So guys on the team are, you know, they're curious of who's going to be our next coach too. So um, I think it was something like fans were like tracking the team plane or something and it went to Louisiana and everybody's like, Oh, Napier is our head coach. And then guys on the team see that too. And we're like, Oh, well, that's probably who it is because it seems like a relatively reliable source. You know, Twitter, that's always true. But no, that's kind of where we first got it from. Was just reading stuff the fans and like websites were putting out, and um, I think the first time I met him was at bowl practice. Uh, him and a few of his guys were out there, kind of watching, and you know, at the time, uh, I w- wasn't sure what to think because I was still focusing on a game. But you know, as I've gotten to know him more, he's a he's a good guy. He's a player's coach. He's looking out for his guys.
2: Ethan, we've heard a lot, you know with past coaching staffs either about the strength and conditioning program wasn't you know where it needed to be the food wasn't where it needed to be parking you know um ethan how many parking tickets have you gotten as a student athlete parking around the stadium
1: not as many as some other guys i had
2: a scooter so the scooter oh, there said, you go, that there definitely you go. so you know we've heard about these issues right tell us how coach napier has begun to change that because I gotta tell you, I've seen some of the pictures of the food y'all are eating. I mean, I may have to slide up in that. Um, so, t- so t- t- tell me what's changed. Uh, well, first
1: to stand up for my guy, I can't say strength and conditioning was never an issue, but like that for us that wasn't an issue. But for sure, the parking and the food, like Coach Napier coming in, I, I think he uh, kind of wanted to send a message to the team of we're working to you know work with you guys to improve the experience and fixing the food right away and continuing to work on that with uh, throughout the summer and the parking being fixed almost right away was uh, just a good way to kind of set the team's morale in the right direction with the new coaching staff coming in. Cause obviously, you know, you're wary, you've never met these people before. You don't know, you know, what they believe, how they think. So coming in and kind of starting off positive was, was a good way.
0: I don't. I don't think Casey meant that strength and conditioning was an issue. I mean, he and I have both said many, many times on the show before that Nick Savage was the MVP. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I I meant
2: like the but, seniors that may have played under Coach McElwain, right? You know, the fifth-year seniors that that was a big problem under that that sort of program. But um, no, I'm a huge fan of Coach Savage, and you know, he uh, he's a big fan of our podcast. So I wish him only the best over there in Oxford. But
0: but I mean, the the, the larger issue though is that there's a lot that has changed under Napier. There's a new energy. I mean, obviously there are new people involved. Um, I, I, I mean, you can tell me what you think of this. I, I think it's fair to say that Florida has has traded one elite strength coach in, in Nick Savage for another elite strength coach in Mark Hockey. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. And it, it's just a different way of doing things too. Uh, you know, it, there's, there's multiple ways it's going to obviously go from, kind of powerlifting based workouts to more Olympic weight, uh, based workouts. And they all have their benefits and their, you know, their negatives as well. But yeah,
2: coach hockey is definitely great as well. And uh, Ethan, tell me about uh, this new football facility. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of pictures of it, but uh, what have you heard about it? What are you most looking forward to as part of that facility? Um, it looks good you know from seeing uh you can kind of see in
1: the weight room part of it from the indoor so during otas you kind of see the progress and it's cool uh you know the weight room from what i can see looks almost ready and uh the thing i'm looking forward to the most is probably the sauna and the steam room just (laughs) because that's going to be nice to kind of go in that in the cold tub and get a little treatment that way Nice.
2: Nice. So nice. it's going to have can that. We,
0: can we just make sure though, before we go any further, when we're talking about pools, can we just make sure that we don't have any more people try to do belly flops or cannonballs into like two feet deep pools?
1: Yeah, that, <laughs> uh, yeah. He, I think I'm, uh, I heard he got a talking to about that. So that that shouldn't be an issue anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the guy. Like I, I love his name. I love the highlight tape. Obviously, you know, on air is different than you know, mm-hmm. kicking against you know, real pressure situations with guys rushing you, but I mean, I, I'm a fan of him, but I want him to stay healthy. So I want him to actually do what he came to Florida to do. So let's just uh, – if you, if, you if you can be the big brother uh, figure there, just make sure he doesn't do anything like that again. Um, but that, but that, that's good that, that he got talking to you. I, I hope that is something that, that he puts in the past.
2: So, Ethan, do you know when that is scheduled to, uh, to open? And, and do you think that'll be like a good tool for recruitment? Like it, take yourself back to when you were recruited at Florida. Do you think that that would have made that choice even easier? Or do you think that's going to help recruits?
1: Um, I think it'll help for, for recruiting. Uh, obviously with NIL and all that stuff now, Who I didn't have that. So I don't know what these kids are going after nowadays. <laughs> I can say from a player's perspective, Guys on the team are certainly excited to have it. It's it's, uh, it's easier to spend more time at the facility and take care of your body when it's all brand new and shiny and you're all excited about it. So that's, that's for sure one thing.
0: While we're talking about recruiting, some of the people who do the recruiting obviously are the position coaches, and you are in a unique position because you've got two of them. So tell me about what each of them bring, uh, Rob Sale and Arnold Stapleton, what each of them has done specifically to help you and how you think it, it benefits the Florida Gators to have two coaches on the offensive line.
1: Um, I think, Well, with Coach Sale, the I'd say the biggest difference is uh, kind of the philosophy difference between him and the previous staff. Um, for me personally, I just, I think it's the more, you know, the better. So knowing two different styles of offense and two different schemes uh, kind of helps ready for whatever a defense throws at you and honestly for the next level the more you know the better if you know more offenses and uh coach sale he, he he just knows um different different things from being at different places uh you know being in the nfl and in college he has experience with all types of different players and techniques and game plans and then uh coach state uh he he offers a, a unique perspective as a player because He's been there and he's done it at the highest level in the NFL for multiple years, so um, he can kind of offer different insights because he's done it, uh, you know. And obviously, he has a great knowledge of the game. You know, to play in the NFL for multiple years, you you got to be a a master of the mental side of football. But I feel like the both of them together, um, they're they're similar personality types, but they can teach things in different ways. So for myself and young guys. If you're not getting it the way one coach says it, another coach might explain it in a way that you can understand better. So it's kind of good to have that contrast in the room.
0: So you got two shots at explaining something in a way that resonates with a player.
1: Yeah. And if you can't get it after that, I mean, go ask him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Then you're kind of in trouble and it's kind of a you problem, but you, you mentioned something that I love talking about with every player we have on the show. And that is the mental aspect of the game of football, because at the SEC level, I mean, we can I guess discard Vanderbilt from this, but aside from them, everybody is talented. I mean, it's just the truth. <laughs> Sorry, Vandy fans. Um, but I mean if it, it feels like brains and and team IQ and game planning can make a huge difference in in how games wind up going between teams that are both very talented. I mean, people, for example, are gonna remember last year's team, you know, the six and seven team. Oh, they were horrible. Well, you go toe to toe with Bama for four quarters, and only because of, of a botched extra point do you not, you know, tend that game to overtime. And even Georgia, it's three nothing with two minutes left in the first half, the eventual national champions. The talent is not the problem there, but that goes to show that there's more to the game of football than just the physicality. So, brains and IQ, I know, comes into play for offensive line in a, in a unique sort of way. So, talk to me a little bit about what what you have found success with in terms of the, of the mental side of football, what you have struggled with and since gotten better at, and what you would like to continue to improve on moving forward uh, with the mental aspect of being a – what Casey calls a big ugly.
2: Um, and I say that with all compliments, by the way. So please don't think I'm calling you big or – ugly. well, you are big, but I'm not calling you ugly.
1: <laughs> but uh, I think for me, since – uh, my freshman year, something I've been able to improve on is, is not trying to, with a game plan at least, overload myself with information. Um, going into games, you, you want to be confident and have an idea of what's going on, but you don't want to be overthinking every second of every uh, pre-snap play. So personally, I try to focus on uh, defensive like formations and you know alignments and kind of keys on what they might be running more so than I focus on individual players' moves or, like, what what a guy's favorite move, move is because, uh, at least for me, I feel like my technique and my fundamentals will work kind of regardless of what, you know, somebody else does as long as I do them correctly and trust it. So I'm kind of trying to be more prepared, uh, game plan on what I have to do and what the offense is trying to do and uh, how the defense is going to try to stop it.
0: So real quick, what is your – what, 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 what pass rush move would you say you're best at defending against? Or, or not, not defending, but at stopping? What moves would to work on?
1: Probably a bull rush. Uh, just being a bigger guy, having some strength. Um, that, that's naturally just going to be a stopping.
2: Um, Ethan, I want, I want to uh, back up to what Neil just said. I want to talk about rivalry games. What goes in mentally to prepare for those? So when you play an LSU, when you play a Georgia or a Florida State, and I, I'm sorry, I, I I just I can't put Tennessee up there. I, I can't. <laughs> so what goes in to play in those big games, either on the road or the swamp? Because we know those games are different. What goes into your mindset as a player to get ready to play a Georgia or an LSU or a Florida State? Um during the week,
1: preparation wise, at least for me, I, I try not to treat it any different. Uh to you know, kinda keep my same routine, same mindset. But uh at least for me, I when playing like a FSU or a Georgia or LSU, I kinda those highlights you see of all the old Gator games, like the you know, those kinda go through my head and um something Coach Mullen would do is uh kind of show like a pregame hype up and it have our previous year's uh, games against them and all the old Gator greats, uh, kind of big moments in those games. So, kind of seeing that before the game gets me in the right headspace where I need to be. But during the week, I try to keep it the same as every other game.
2: Cool. And have you noticed anything? Obviously, he hasn't coached a game yet, but have you noticed anything from Coach Nearby's staff about any focus on? you know, a particular opponent or, you know, a rivalry game. Has there been any talk about that? I mean, I know Utah is the number one focus right now, but has there been any focus on anything like that? There's, you know, there's
1: been some talks of Utah you and know, kind of, an idea of what they do, but not really. Uh, focus in the offseason is kind of really been more on us as a team. Awesome. What we can do, you know, the discipline, um, just the extra work. Uh in the weight room uh, for some of the workouts like the Friday workouts still hang pictures of like the SE that we have to play this year so that that's kind of part of it getting us ready mentally
0: sweet so I want to talk us a little bit more specifically about um, the, the, the playbook side of the the mental aspect of the game of football getting really deep into it now but um, obviously you know you're not going to reveal anything too sensitive we're not asking you for that but It is a lot of information you have to take, and it's in a sense it's like taking another class because you have to know what each each cadence is. Like for example, you know you're not going to say fade; you're going to say you know you're going to have a code before you're going to say you know Falcon was my high school one um, laptop or something something different like that. So you got to learn all the vocabulary. You got to learn the different cadences. All sorts of different things you have to just learn, especially when it's a new staff. I mean, for a new year, I think you guys have new playbooks anyway. But with a new staff, it's, just, it's going to be markedly different. So how how has that process been for you this offseason? Um, and what are you most excited about from what you have learned so far about what the new offense is going to look like?
1: Um, so for me, learning the new playbook wasn't terribly hard. There were a lot of um Uh, For the offensive line, for example, um, we use a lot of the same calls for double teams or combination blocks. There's kind of like a universal set of calls that a lot of college and NFL teams use. So that didn't change too much. And when it comes to plays, I mean, there's many plays you can run. You can run your gap schemes, your zone schemes. It's really just kind of learning the different names and associating, you know, what a tag word or something means. If there's a motion or somebody's coming across the formation, but uh, having played for a couple of years, it's, it's really more the word association of what play means what, than uh, learning a new play As football is football at the end of the day.
0: So aside from having to learn a new playbook, what would you say the most time-consuming mental piece of the game of football is, at least for you?
1: For me mentally, the most time in the offseason uh, is probably self-scouting myself from the previous year kind of going back and watching the games, seeing what techniques worked well for me and what uh, I might need to not use anymore, what, you know, defensive linemen can key on me that I use too much that might be I'm um, giving something away or what what they do to beat that I can work on. Uh, and then obviously watching NFL film, you, you know, you watch those guys, they're the best of the best, obviously. So you get new techniques or new ideas from them.
0: So the last sort of um, mental question i have got has to do kind of with that um i mean the, the saying is you either win or you learn you don't lose so mm-hmm. you know you learn from your failures or you succeed and that's great um, but what would you say your your biggest your biggest um you know real in-game lesson is be like what would you say that that the biggest moment of teaching has been for you that you can make yourself a better offensive lineman because this happened was
1: um, probably no two plays are the same. So you can run a play in the first quarter and it looks like the same look and you think the same thing's gonna happen as in the fourth quarter and it's completely different. And if you kinda get not complacent, but if you get comfortable within a game and you and you think you know what a defense or what a guy across from you is doing, they can be setting something up for the fourth quarter of the entire game and use it and if if you're not on your toes and kinda ready for anything at all times that you know it can get you.
2: So um, I want to talk about, um, you know, your history um, at Florida. You blocked for Kyle Trask, obviously he, um, Heisman Trophy um, finalist, and you blocked for Emery Jones, um, a great athlete um, that, you know, obviously um, we wish him best um, at the at Arizona State where he transferred to, but um, you blocked for Anthony Richardson too. Um, you know, these are three very, very different kind of quarterbacks. You know, Kyle could throw but his running um ability was lesser than emory but emory's running ability was better than his throwing ability and anthony richardson can do both effectively Mm -hmm. so why don't i want to hear a little bit more from you on what it's like what it's been like to block for all three of those um players and coming up into the season blocking for um anthony richardson um
1: well kyle's obviously the one that stands out from the other two the most just because he you knew where Kyle was going to be in the pocket. Like, if he if he had to take off running, it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> uh, so so with him, you know, it's kind of hold your blocks because if, if he has time, something will be open. He'll find somebody. Um, with Anthony and Emery, you know, obviously they're crazy athletic and can throw the ball. With them, it's kind of – you you gotta you gotta hold your blocks, but it's different. It's that kind of like that second or third move when they go to chase the quarterback is when you really got a strain to finish because that that little hole, um, you know, if everybody drops and you can hold your blocks and they can get out of there and nobody's looking at the quarterback, those are the big plays that can change games and are kind of unexpected. So, um, you know, they they kind of have their own positives and negatives because uh, say like Emory or Anthony, if you get beat. Uh, they can they can make up for it. They can kind of make you look good, shake somebody, and get out of there. But somebody like Kyle's kind of more of a stationary quarterback. Uh, Say so if you get beat right away, it's kind of it's kind of a done deal.
0: So speaking of Anthony Richardson, he's gotten a lot of buzz this offseason. I think for for fair reasons. Yeah, I don't think anyone though is really more qualified to talk about what they think is going to happen with him than someone who has blocked for him both in games and this. This current off season. So, from what you've seen since you started spring ball, and that goes from through all the spring practice, through off season workouts, till you know now, on the last day of, of July. What have you seen from him in terms of growth, and, and what do you think he has done to make himself a better quarterback uh, from from last season to now?
1: Um. Well, physically, obviously, he came in as a freak, uh, so that's kind of he's kind of just maintained that. And from from what I've seen in spring, I think he's really taken the next step mentally uh, when it comes to protections. You know, iding the mic, you know, kind of protecting himself, sliding it left or right. Um, he 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 understands that better and isn't reliant on you know the offensive line. He can do whatever he needs to do, and we're all confident that he's putting us in the right positions. But um, I think what he's he's done outside of football as a leader and kind of accepting his role as a guy who really hasn't played much, but as somebody that everybody on the team and the fan base looks to to kind of lead the Gators this year, um, that's been impressive how he's kind of taken that next step as a leader.
2: So, okay, I want to ask you about the offensive line. How would you say the line has grown and improved from 2021 to 2022? Um, and what do you think fans can expect to see differently? Um, because you look at a lot of these, um, you know, pre season things, and Pat Dooley actually had an article about how the offensive line is going to be a strength for Florida this year. Do you agree with that? And what can fans uh, see in the future? Yeah, I, I definitely
1: think the offensive line will be a strength. We've got seven guys who have had some legit play time in, you know, in SEC games and other games. So I think well, one thing that, uh, is a positive this year is how deep we are. We probably got seven or eight guys who I'm personally confident in could go out and play for us. Um, I think that what'll be different this year is we were already a big unit last year, but with some of these uh, freshmen and transfers that have come in, like it, it's insane. Like it, it's like you know, I, I'm a big guy, and I'll, I'll go through the locker room and the training room and just like, damn, like those are some big dudes. And I'm for me to say. Those, we got some big guys,
2: and uh, for either for the listeners that uh, are, are probably going to go and uh, go look look up your stats. What are, what's your height and weight? So you can give an idea for our listeners on uh, how big of a guy you are. <laughs> I'm about 6'5",
1: 335, thirty five, three forty, and there's there's a couple guys with three four inches, 30, forty pounds on me easily.
2: So anybody anybody you want to shout out? Oh, big cams. Big Jordan, Josh. He's he's a big dude. Uh, Josh Braun's gonna be that 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 kid's gonna be a problem on the line this year. I, uh, I I worked at Georgia Tech when he was there, so he's gonna be a problem on that line. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, any defensive guys you want to call out? Um, I don't know about, but I'll
1: say one guy that I think who's you know you've kind of seen grow throughout the spring is uh, Jalen Lee and. Tyreek Sapp kind of inside on the D-line, you know, it's their time out of play. And uh, guys, I think they've really, at least for me, going against them all spring, they really improved from last year.
2: Yeah, and I, I have to say just I was in the stands at that Tennessee game. Gervin Dexter is one of the biggest human beings I have ever been around. I mean, like he almost came up, I was in the stands and he almost came up to me in the stands. I'm like, that is a large human being
0: right there. That was two years ago too. I know. I know. Uh,
2: (laughs) So I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what he's going to look like um, this, this season. So, yeah, but I mean,
0: that's, that's, uh, I mean, same, same question, I guess, but this time now for the defense. So, before we get to our, our big finale of the show, I got to ask you, um, I mean the defense last year was, you know, it was what it was that that's, that's the motto of our show. We, we keep it respectful, but we keep it real. Um, I mean, they stepped up in some moments for sure, but I mean, the the tape was the tape and the stats were the stats, but there is a new energy now there's a new DC and Pat Tony, there's a new scheme there. There just seems to be a new vibe with those guys, at least from, you know, what, how they're acting. Um, and how, how they seem to be you know carrying themselves the new bit of confidence that they didn't they didn't really seem to have uh, beyond the first couple of games of last season. So you go up against them in practice every day. So wh- what would you say the biggest difference that you've noticed with this defense is?
1: Um, I think their communication has improved. Um, personally, just going through practice last year and this year, there seems to be – more efficient flow of communication. I know that's something they've stressed through the off season is kind of the way you communicate. It doesn't need to be as frantic all the time, you know, uh, clear with what you say. Cause you know, in practice, you, you try to go hurry up, catch the defense offsides. And if they're in a pressure, they, uh, at least in spring, they know what to get to. They know their basics. Um, I just think understanding the basics and communicating with each other and obviously being disciplined is important for the whole team, but for the defense limiting, you know, the, the easy penalties, the offsides uh, that's just something they've been working on.
0: Yeah, that's, that's definitely gonna be something we have to look for this year. Communication. I think, I mean, there was the play against South Carolina where uh, Josh van was open without anyone on the same television screen as him. So, I mean, communication I think definitely is going to help solve that. So one more question before we get to our wrap up segment, I know if I ask you, you know, what do you want to achieve this year? You're going to say win a national title, win the SEC, beat Georgia, because, you know, all that stuff is, is in, you know, they're all annual goals for Florida and those don't change. So let's get a little more specific than than just that. What in particular do you think Florida fans should be excited to watch for this upcoming season?
1: Um, I think, Fans should be excited to see uh, a full team out there. You know, not offense, defense, and special teams, but one unit, uh, all on the same page, all working together, picking each other up through the positives and the negatives. Uh, Honestly, just just a real, you know, solid team, all sides of the ball. You know, guys picking each other up and being positive, whether we're in good situations, bad situations. Either way, you know, we're gonna have each other's backs.
2: Ethan, I want to, you know, look at the team as a whole and I want to, I want you to put yourself in the mindset um, of going into the season, right? What are you, you personally most excited to see as part of this team? And as a follow-up to that, what can fans do to help support you? you know, beyond just showing up to the games, what can they do to help support you as players? You know, what can people do on Twitter that maybe can't make it to the swamp? What what can fans do to help you? But first, I want to hear, what are you personally most excited about this season? Um, I'm excited,
1: obviously, myself and just guys on the team. I, I want to see guys fully reach their potential. I feel like over the past couple of years, we've had the talent, we've had the guys, and things kind of just haven't clicked. There's always been one little thing that's kind of held us back. So this year, I'm really excited to see, you know, guys individually and as a, as a unit just put everything together and, you know, go see what we can do uh, really t- together as a team. And for the fans, obviously, you know, guys see all the positive encouragement and all that, and that's great. And for sure, guys, recruits, players love it. Um, it's funny, though, because like a lot of things – The negative sometimes gets more spotlight than the positive, which is true in some case with our fans. And obviously you hate that that, you know, that takes the spotlight. But I'd say just keep up the encouragement, keep supporting the guys, you know, recruits, coaches, all that. And, you know, don't don't let the few negative things that people say or think kind of take over the message.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to end off on a fun note. We're going to do some team superlatives. We love to do this when we talk, uh, when we've got the privilege to talk uh, with some, some current players. So who's the funniest guy in the team? Naquan. <laughs> how, how so? He He's
1: just, he's just, he's just funny. Like everything he, the way he does things is just funny. The way he talks to guys, if you walk into, you know, Two minutes before the meeting, he's going to stand up and call you out in front of the whole team. Like, it's just it, the way he does things is just funny to me. That's awesome. That's he, awesome. Is, he is
0: no Ethan is the third player in a row to say that. Lorenzo yeah. Lingard said Naquan, and on our last pod, Darius Perkins said Naquan. So, there yeah. has to be a theme going here.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Who's uh, who's the fastest on the team? And it can be offense or defense, or you can have one for each. I think. I think Devin Moore, honestly. We got the
1: uh we got the catapults and they put him on us during the offseason. I think he's like the from what I've seen, I could be wrong, I'm sure other skill players will argue this, but I think he's like the fastest,
2: from what I've seen. Nice. And you alluded to this earlier. Who's the strongest
0: teammate? Uh Kingsley, by far. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Kingsley and and, okay, uh, well, no, Kingsley, Dexter, and Desmond Watson have been the three names that I've heard a lot.
1: So yeah.
0: Deadlifting competition between the three, you're taking Kingsley.
1: Well, deadlifting, I'd probably take Big Des. Okay. Yeah. But when you when you talk about everything, like, overall, uh, as well as on the field strength, I'd probably say Kingsley and then Des and G are right there as well.
0: Fair. Yeah, they're, sure, different types of strength needed, I guess. That's fair.
2: Who's, uh, who's the biggest hype man in the locker room before a game <laughs> Probably probably chief or or uh, Odom he's funny you know so. I, I met chief here uh, in Atlanta with the Gator Maid program mm-hmm. Chief was cracking me up dude chief was just cracking me up but fun, fun guy yeah and it's a hundred percent of the time too so it's authentic you know that's awesome that's awesome. Um, you know, I've got an answer to this, Ethan, but that's just from what I've read and little bits that I've seen. But, uh, who's the player to watch for this summer, uh, coming into the fall, coming into camp? Uh, to so probably AR just because everybody's
1: so hyped up about him. Like, obviously, you know, the hype, but I think, I think the hype is, is just, but what he can do, uh, if he puts everything together,
2: could, you know, even exceed that like potential wise. And I want to ask because I'm being selfish. um, How has Ricky Pearsall looked so far? I've only seen him at OTAs
1: and to be honest, I haven't seen him that much because when they're doing their stuff, like we're doing drills or like I'm I'm blocking. So I don't see him, but he's fast and he's shifty from what I've seen. So those are two.
2: Good to hear. It's good to hear. Do you uh do you have any predictions as to who's going to lead the wide receiver room in yards this year? I don't know cuz we got a bunch of guys that could. Like
1: Hendo could do it, Shorter could do it, Ricky could do it from what I've seen. Trink like there there's a lot of guys. I think it could kind of be like how my freshman year was, like where there's just a bunch
2: of guys with a bunch of yards kind of just spread it around. It's awesome. It's awesome. Who's got the best drip game in the locker room, either with shoes or or fashion? Ah, uh, I want to say I want to say Richie Leonard, but it's probably Trading. <laughs> wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 So wait, why why qualify it like that? Why do you want to say Richie Leonard? What about him makes you want to say that?
1: Because he's he's got the drip, and he he can put it on like with with the uniform and like cl- clothes. But Trading is just like he's on a different level. Like he's just he's got it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Gotcha. That's awesome. And uh, last superlative, who's got the best playlist on the team? Ooh,
1: best playlist. Uh, I know who plays the most music is Jordan Young. It might not be the best, but he'll play the
2: most music. <laughs> That's awesome. This That's... isn't a superlative, Ethan, but you know, it's, it's a question I've always wanted to ask a player. What's your favorite kickoff time at home and on the road? Ooh. Ooh. On the road? Noon because
1: I don't like flying home at like two o'clock in the morning. But uh home games, I like the 330 All right, all right. You're not, a traditional. Not the analyst, night right? off. That's Enough.
0: that's surprising. Um, so i I'm, I'm gonna add one more superlative. Who would you say is the the smartest teammate of yours in terms of football IQ? Uh
1: in terms of football. Shoot. Uh it it honestly might Michael Tarquin's up there. He like he the amount of time he puts in to the playbook and the game plan and just overall studying like the game, he, he's up there as probably one of the most knowledgeable guys. Obviously he doesn't know what the quarterback's doing or stuff like that. But you know, for his position and just the overall knowledge of the game, he's up there. And who are you going to who are
0: you going to, to look at their notes for a test the next day? Oh, yeah, Mike. I love it. Uh, Well, actually, I do have to ask one more question because it's the reason you're here, uh, in part. There is a third-party entity that I think everybody knows about called Gator Collective that is definitely making waves these days because they are – well, first, they have a new site. Shout out Stingray Branding for that. Um, But they're making waves because they are are the first NIL entity that helps – create these nil deals for student athletes and they're i mean i think they just eclipsed 100 student athletes that they represent across eight different sports so tell tell me what the collective has meant to you and and how you think it's helping make a difference for athletes across the university of florida uh
1: well personally for me it's been cool just to meet and kind of interact with fans like uh, for example you've you've seen fans on Twitter who support you for years and you, you know, you can't put a name with the face all the time, but then say that, yeah, you go to one of the Gator collective events and getting to meet these people who have, you know, supported you and said kind things to you for years is, is really cool to me. And uh, as a way it's benefiting athletes, I think it's just uh, this, this applies for recruiting too, but it, it's kind of just increased the athlete experience in a way that, um, it provides you opportunities with people, with organizations, uh, through fans, through different businesses. And uh, it's just, it's just honestly a great thing for athletes to have at their disposal, you know, as opportunities to meet people and interact. And obviously for recruiting as well, you know, Florida having such an eager fan base, you know, help their players and uh, help their team succeed. Obviously, you know, that, that's, That shows and you know kids notice that
0: it's definitely making a difference um these days in the world of college athletics i'm glad it's it's having a a positive impact on you as well as athletes everywhere um ethan it's been a pleasure it's been a joy to have you on the show um definitely appreciative of you sharing your insight and, and what it's like to be on a Gator football team that's undergoing such a transition as as the one we're going through between you know Mullen and and Napier. We look forward to seeing you in the swamp and uh, can't wait to see the swamp come alive the way only the swamp can.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to be rocking.
2: So yeah, anything you uh, anything you want to say to the fans or anything you want to say to our listeners? Man, pack the swamp for Utah. We gotta we gotta start the
1: season off the right way. That's
2: oh gotta, yeah. I'll be there. Well,
1: hey,
0: (laughs) Ethan, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, go Gators, man.
1: Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Go Gators.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much, and uh, best of luck to you. And we'll see you in about a month. (laughs) All right, thank you. Thanks, Ethan.